Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Pittsburgh Penguins edition. And we are joined by Garrett Behanna from Pennsburg and the Pennsburg podcast. Garrett, how are you? I am well. It's nice to talk to somebody behind enemy lines that, you know, probably wouldn't throw batteries at your face if, you know, you got onto the ice and had a terrible performance. So, oh, Garrett. So, you know, it's really nice to talk to you. <laughs> So I'm glad I'm actually glad that you said that, because the first thing that I wanted to ask you, um, like there was a time when I would take a look at the schedule when it was released in the summertime and I would put a big red circle around the Flyers Penguins games and I would get hype for them. And I have to say that has waned over the past few years. I don't know if it's a combination of the Flyers being absolute garbage and not having a chance at being better than you guys anyway. Um, I'm not sure exactly why I no longer have like a fiery, passionate hatred for, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but I really don't. Do Pens fans still get up for Flyers games or is it not a thing for you guys either? I want to try and be as objective as possible as I can here as a really professional journalist and podcast. No, but uh, <laughs> It's really interesting that you bring it up and you describe it that way because I think over the last couple of years, dating back to 2015, 2016, you know, the, the Penguins' resurgence and Stanley Cup wins, I, I think all of that hatred and all, that, that sort of ri that rivalry that you immediately think of, I personally think it's shifted more towards the Capitals. And I just mm -hmm. think that because, you know, the, the Penguins and Capitals seem to meet every year in the second round of the postseason. And, you know, for the longest time, Ovechkin couldn't get past Crosby and company uh, to, you know, to get past them. And, and eventually, obviously, he did. He bested the Penguins and went on to win his Stanley Cup. So, uh, but going back to the Penguins-Flyers rivalry, yeah, I, I don't want to say the Flyers just outright suck. But, you know, the, the, well. the, the rivalry, yeah, you know, the, the rivalry has kind of waned over the last couple of years. It, it's certainly not where it was, I don't think. No. Like, circa 2011, 2012, you know, the, the, the big playoff series that I remember, uh, the, all the heartbreak that I suffered watching the Flyers basically <laughs> destroy the Penguins in every facet during that, that one memorable playoff series. But, yeah, for, for whatever reason, whether both teams are, were looking to, you know, try and reforge an identity and, and the Penguins obviously succeeding, and the Flyers, I don't think the Flyers are necessarily, you know, I don't think they're tanking for the, the number one overall pick anymore. I I've always felt that they've had a lot of young talent, especially on defense. And I think, obviously, I'm sure you know this better than I, but one of the biggest bugaboos has probably been goaltending. And mm -hmm. if, if Carter Hart's anything to go off of, I think Carter Hart, I think he's only, what, 20, 21 years old? 21. He, look, he looks to be a mainstay in that for the Flyers for the foreseeable future. So if that's yep. the case, you know, I think that the Flyers can build off of the defense they have in Carter Hart, obviously. There's no reason why this rivalry can't, you know, come back to light and you know, become one of the best rivalries in probably all of the NHL. Yeah, it's 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 when the two teams are no longer evenly matched. Um, I think it's hard for the rivalry to stay as good as it was. And there's absolutely no denying that the Flyers have had a dark five or six years. It's been some mismanagement, some bad coaches and all kinds of crap that we're starting to dig our way out of. So hopefully... Um, the rivalry won't come back just because we're really good and you guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I don't want that to be the case either. I, the last yeah. thing I want to see is the Flyers on top of the Metropolitan. <laughs> Any day now. Um, 
But speaking of that, you guys are uh, seven and five on the season so far, right? Is that right? Yes. Seven and five. Yep. Yeah, and um, which is the first wild card in the East right now, which is like you know meaningless in late October, but worth mentioning anyway. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to talk about is that you guys started the season with quite a lot of injuries, and not just quantity of injuries. Like they are big names that are out. Obviously, Malkin is still out. You guys are without Galchenyuk, Brian Dumoulin, um, Almeida. So how has the team been able to overcome such, I mean, Malkin and Galchenyuk in particular are huge losses for any team. So what's besides Sydney? I I feel like the answer to this question is going to be Sydney Crosby. We're going to ask it anyway. What's driving the early success of the Penguins with so many holes to fill? It's really fascinating to look at it from that point of view because two or three weeks ago when the season started and Mike Sullivan was coming out and he was saying uh, player X is out, player Y is out, three, four, five, six guys are out, like you said at the start. Mm -hmm. And these are big name guys, you know, uh, Evgeny Malkin, Nick Bukestad, Brian Rust, you know, more recently are another top defenseman. We have Brian Dumoulin. He's been out. He's been kind of day-to-day. So, yeah, it's really not uh, easy from the Penguins' point of view. And somehow, some way, they've managed to stay afloat. You know, I think it's really easy for if, if anyone outside of Pittsburgh looked at that lineup that you would ice for the last three to four to five games, and you would think the majority of these guys are like fringe NHL guys, career AHL guys, you know, you really wouldn't think that they would stand a chance against anybody in the NHL. And for whatever reason, the Penguins, in the midst of all this adversity, have found a way to get points. And I am as shocked as anybody because I'm going to be quite honest. Like After Malkin and Galchenyuk went down, two of the big pieces you need to drive that mm-hmm. top six, I mean, who else is going to be there? Obviously, they have Sidney Crosby. So the short, the short, the short answer to your question is, yeah, Sidney Crosby has really... <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the guy, and I know Flyers fans don't want to hear this, but the guy is just a machine. And he's really, I think he's really embraced the challenge mm-hmm. of picking up the slack of guys like Gauchenyuk, Brian Rust, Evgeny Malkin. You know, for the last couple of games, he, he's been, I mean, he's always on. He's Sidney freaking Crosby, for crying out loud. But it seems like he's entered a different zone knowing that he has to pick up the slack. And just to finish off my point, you know, it's really easy for a team to get behind in October, especially in this scenario mm-hmm. when, the, when the Penguins, you know, they're dealing with all of these injuries. And, you know, for them to stay afloat through the end of October, going now going into November, I think it's uh, just a massive plus because, you know, we could be at the bottom of the Metropolitan and, you know, we could only have five, six points maybe after all of the injuries we've sustained. But, yeah, Sidney Crosby has really driven the ship, and you know we've gotten some help from a lot of guys down in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, the minor league system. Uh, Sam Lafferty is the first name that comes to mind. You know, this kid really just exploded onto the NHL scene when he was called up about six or seven games ago, and now there's talk in Pittsburgh that Sam Lafferty, for all the work he's done already in Pittsburgh, he might not even go back down to Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. He might have permanently carved out a roster spot. And that's just because of all the injuries sustained. So when one guy goes down, another guy steps up. And uh, I guess it's that next man up philosophy that has kept Pittsburgh mm-hmm. afloat. Yeah, I'm looking here. This uh, Lafferty kid, six points in 10 games, which is certainly not bad for someone who gets called up from the AHL for injury. So that's interesting. Um, 
before we get to game specific stuff, I'll ask a couple of more general questions. Uh, the goaltending situation for you guys. Um, the assumption on my end is that Matt Murray is your number one, Tristan Jerry is your number two. But looking at how they've performed so far, it looks like Jerry's numbers are marginally better. Um, and Matt Murray, I think, since that first couple of seasons where he was outstanding, um, has kind of been, I don't know, fair to say, maybe an average to good NHL goaltender, nothing crazy. Um, do you see, if, if Jerry continues to play well as a backup, do you see this becoming more of a tandem, or do you think that there's still going to be a clear number one, number two situation with them? It's really interesting because ever since Marc-Andre Fleury left the team in the expansion draft of the Golden Knights, every longtime Penguins fan has been clamoring for Marc-Andre Fleury to come back because of their displeasure with Matt Murray. And I think at the first sign of weakness in Matt Murray's game, uh, a lot of really crazy Penguin fans are going to look and, and want Jim Rutherford and Mike Sullivan to make a change at goaltender just because, for whatever reason, they don't have faith or they don't like Matt Murray's game. You know, they think he gives up too many goals on the glove side. I think that's a flawed argument because most goals in the NHL are probably scored on the glove, sli- glove side. But anyway, go- going back to your original question, I don't think this is going to be uh, more like a, a goaltender competition. I think Matt Murray is firmly entrenched as the mm-hmm. number one. However, you know, like you said, if Tristan Jari continues to play the way he has, you know, currently I think he has a 939 save percentage, um, almost a sub two goals against average. Obviously, very impressive stats. He's, I think he's only played in two or three games. So, you know, very limited sample size. But it's encouraging nonetheless because Matt Murray has been injury prone uh, throughout his NHL career. So it's always nice to have reinforcement, uh, reinforcements behind Matt Murray, whether that be Tristan Jari or Casey DeSmith, who is currently in Wilkes-Barre. Um, but if this can, if this can, like you said, form a, a solid tandem, I, I think this is uh, a great development for the Penguins to have that insurance behind Matt Murray. Obviously, the Penguins have their eyes set towards April and, and trying to rebound after last year's disastrous playoff run against the Islanders. So provided Matt Murray stays healthy and, and Tristan Jari continues to play well, this could, yeah, I, I could definitely see this becoming more of a tandem. But yeah, I, I don't see Matt Murray getting replaced anytime soon. So you mentioned the loss of Brian Dumoulin, which was a blow to the defense a little bit. But um, I was looking at your site earlier today, and you guys recently had a piece on how Chris Letang is playing extremely well out of the gate this season. Um, He's, you know, 32. He's had injury issues, health issues. Um, Do you worry that he might slow down at any point, or do you just expect that he's going to dominate through the season? Yeah, Chris Letang has always been a, a really uh, fickle player, especially when it comes to his health. Uh, so his hot start out of the gate is really encouraging, and I always love watching Chris Letang. Uh, I, I mentioned on the Pennsburg podcast this past week, or maybe it was last week, either way, he had a really nice sequence a couple of games ago where he kept moving up and up and up into the offensive zone. And he is a, he's a tr- tremendous puck handler, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, his offensive his offensive instincts take over, and I, I yell at my TV all the time when Chris Letang is at the blue line, and they're either cycling or Chris Letang takes the puck. And then whenever he has the puck, I just yell, I want him to shoot. 
he has a tremendous shot. And the sequence I was go I was just mentioning, I mean, he kept moving up and up and up and deking defenders left and right until he gets right in front of the goaltender and gets one. I think it might have been five hole, but either way, he snuck it past the goaltender for a beautiful goal. Uh, Chris Letang, like I said, Chris Letang's injury history has always been problematic. And really, between the start of the season in October up until like Christmas time or New Year's time, is when the team really seems to get the most out of Chris Letang before he goes down with an unfortunate injury. I don't think Chris Letang is, I don't think it's sustainable through an 82 game season. I think, given his history, I, I think he's likely to miss a couple of games, as unfortunate as it is for Penguins fans, because. Uh, on the defensive side, Chris Letang drives that ship 100%. Brian Dumoulin is a nice compliment, and uh, I'm sure, sure they have uh, Marcus Pedersen, who's emerging into a top-four defenseman, and they have Justin Schultz as well. But if Chris Letang were to miss a ex very long or extended period of time, uh, it could be really detrimental uh, for that on the back end for Pittsburgh. So one more general question. Um, someone on Twitter asked me to include in these little Q&As um, – kind of trying to get an idea from an outsider's perspective. Like, what do you, or Penguins fans generally, if you have a beat on that, um, think of the Flyers right now? Like, when you see the Flyers coming up on the schedule, is this like a, oh boy, this is going to be a tough one, or is this like a, I'm, this is a guaranteed win, who cares? Like, what is the general kind of, I don't know, feeling around a Flyers game these days when you see them coming up? Yeah, when we, I mean, when we started the conversation, you know, we talked about how the Flyers had kind of been in that little bit of a lull for the last five to six mm -hmm. years or so. Uh, you might be, you might get a different response from other staffers here at Pennsburg. Uh, me personally, I don't look past the Flyers. You know, on paper, if everyone's healthy in Pittsburgh, the on paper the rosters pro are probably outmatched for the time being in Pittsburgh's favor. I, I think. Mm -hmm. You might know this better than I, but I think the Flyers are still trying to find an identity and and trying to get out of the the mini rebuild that they've been in the last couple of years. I don't look past Flyers games because I know uh, a lot of guys take the take this rivalry very seriously with the history that these two teams obviously have. And as much as I don't want to buy into mind games or like psychological warfare between these two teams, I think at some point, you know, the, with the Flyers always having that reputation of being able to get under the Penguins' skin mm -hmm. and, in the process, the Penguins losing these games against the Flyers, uh, that's something that never really goes away in the back of my mind. Um, you know, it's really easy to fall into those kinds of traps, you know, costly penalties, agitation on the Flyers' side to, you know, to draw the Penguins out. So, no, I don't look past these games. I really enjoy them, obviously. It's a great rivalry. But, no, I, when I look at the Flyers and Penguins on the schedule – you know, I don't foresee this being like a six nothing, seven nothing game. No, at least not anymore. Maybe a couple of yeah. years ago, maybe, but no, not anymore. All right, so let's turn to this upcoming game. Um, you guys had a little bit of a skid there. You lost three in a row, but then you uh, got back in the winning column against Dallas uh, the other day. Um, the Flyers are coming off an absolute stinker against the Islanders the other night. Um so for you, how do you, during that little three-game losing streak, um, was that the, the Pens playing poorly, or was that kind of like a puck luck thing where they just, you know, losses that sometimes happen and then they just got their shit together against Dallas, or was something going wrong there during those three games? 
I think if you were to talk with the Penguins in the locker room, and especially after the, the, after the game and the media scrums, a, a lot of them would say that they played particularly well on this recent road trip. And like you alluded to, you know, they had lost uh, against the Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And after both of those games, you know, multiple times, many Penguins came out and said, we felt like we were the better team. And we really felt like that we should have gotten points against the Panthers, and especially the Lightning. Um, if you go back and watch re a recap of the Lightning game, you know, there was that one sequence right at the end of the game where the Penguins, the Penguins take, I believe they took two penalties in the, like the closing sequences of the game, which gave, um, gave Tampa Bay a power play. They converted on the power play and, and took the took the regulation victory. But the Penguins, they felt like they played well enough to earn points. And that was encouraging because, you know, they had obviously, you know, they had been dealing with all of these injuries. So for them to go up against the Panthers and uh, the Lightning, who have tremendous goaltending mm -hmm. in Bobrovsky and Vasilevsky, you know, for them to come out of those games, obviously they're regulation losses and you're dropping points. But I think it was encouraging because they felt like they were starting to right the ship and they did just that in their following game against Dallas. It's always nice. You know, if you're on a little bit of a skid, you get the Dallas Stars. The, the Stars obviously haven't started out uh, the way they had hoped. So they took care of Dallas with a 3 to nothing shutout, which was good for the entire team. It was nice to finally mm -hmm. get the, the, that, the tangible offense and the reward after playing particularly well against the two Florida, Florida teams. So you've already told me a little bit about Sam Lafferty, who was a guy that I was not super aware of. Um, is there another kind of unknown player on the team that you think might factor in in this game? I think if I had to pick one player, I would watch out for Dominic Cahoon. Uh, he was acquired by the Penguins earlier this summer when they shipped Olimata, defenseman Olimata, to the Chicago mm -hmm. Blackhawks. And um, much has been made about Dominic Cahoon's game early on in the season, you know, he hasn't produced a lot of offense. I think, I think in the game against Dallas, it was either his first point or his first goal, one of the two, but you know, much has been made about this player because he was acquired for uh, a very steady hand and only yeah. who has been on the defense for several years after he was traded. And uh, just recently, you know, Dominic Cahoon comes out and says, you know, I'm feeling better. I, you know, I like where my game is going. The points and the offense and the, the, the goals and the assists just aren't there yet. And I think the game against Dallas was a step in the right direction for Cahoon. He's a very small guy, a speedy guy. Uh, I think if, the, if you know, he continues to get that momentum against the Flyers, you know, maybe he'll chip in with a primary assist, maybe even a goal. Uh, okay. But yeah, looking at the, looking at the roster, I, I think Dominic Cahoon is definitely a guy to watch out for for the next couple of games. To see where he oh. goes from here. Okay. So we've talked a lot about what's good about the Penguins. Um, I want you to tell me, if you were going to give the Flyers a little inside edge and you were going to tell them about a glaring weakness on the Penguins that they could exploit in order to win this game, what would it be? The bottom defensive pairing with Jack Johnson on the left side. Well, that uh, is shocking. Last... No, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did not have to hesitate at all when <laughs> you, were, you were setting me up there. Uh, whenever Jack Johnson – look, Look, I have ranted about this several, probably thousand times at this point on our podcast. And, you know, I've called Jack Johnson out. Several of us at Pennsburg, several thousand Penguin fans have probably called Jack Johnson out at this point. But for whatever reason, Mike Sullivan and Jim Rutherford continue to play him no matter how many mistakes he can make. And 
I know some people don't want to buy into advanced metrics, possession stats, and all of that stuff. That's fine. You know, some people don't like to watch hockey that way. They don't want to get that invested into all of those fancy stats that they don't really understand. That's fine. That's all fine and good. So they rely on the eye test to watch Jack Johnson's game. And the argument for Jack Johnson has been, oh, he's a gritty defenseman. You know, he's a stay-at-home guy. He can throw, he can throw a hit every now and again. There was a sequence in the Tampa Bay game that the, that the Penguins recently played and they lost in which Jack Johnson was on the ice for a tremendously bad goal against where he was incredibly out of position. And it was terribly frustrating to watch as a Penguins fan. And it's just like, that's an encapsulation of Jack Johnson's tenure in Pittsburgh. I'm sure he's a great guy off the ice, but when you're given that large contract, that large of a contract for that long, and we already have a history before Jack Johnson came to Pittsburgh as a free agent. We already knew the kind of player he was, and he was on the downside of his career, especially when looking at his advanced metrics. And yeah, he, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say he's he's some kind of wizard because he has made a very long and very lucrative career convincing hockey men that he's actually good at hockey, and he's never not once been. <laughs> I don't it, understand how it's I, happened, but... I don't either. It's it's frustrating to watch this team on a nightly basis and cover the team, and that is the go-to glaring weakness. Jack Johnson... I mean, the dude's slower... Uh, he's slower than molasses. I, I, it's, it, it is mind-boggling to me that they keep giving him chances. I mean, the, the Penguins recently traded away Erica Branson to Anaheim, mm-hmm. and and he was another big bodied defenseman who really didn't have much mobility and didn't really provide a lot of offense to the team. So that's a positive right in itself. It was basically a salary cap dump to get under the salary cap. So he is gone. Now one of the, like the biggest, the last big weakness, the last thing to fall, the last domino to fall is Jack Johnson. If they can ship off Jack Johnson, they immediately become a better team because he's not out there, you know, acting as a boat anchor for his deep yeah. partner and the rest of the team. I have no doubt in my mind that at some point some team will take him off your hands because something seems to happen with the Penguins that whenever you guys get into some kind of jam, be it cap-wise, roster-wise, you have some shitty player that you need to get rid of, inevitably some NHL team will help you do this. Like, the good Branson trade, like, was Anaheim in need of, like, a mediocre defenseman and they just had to get you guys out of some trouble. I don't know. It happens every time. <laughs> Drives me nuts. Um, are there any flyers that you look forward to watching in this game? Anybody you like? Oh, uh, let, let's see here. Uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> None of the, them. The, the defense, like I said, I think the defense has always been interesting to me. Uh, I don't know. I don't watch him obviously regularly enough, right. but Shane Goss despair has always been a player that I really liked. Oh. Uh, I think, uh, <laughs> Well, okay. Well, you start started off there. Now I'm I'm really curious to see what's happened to his game because I always thought he was going to be him and uh, Provorov were two guys that I thought were yeah. going to be anchors on that defense for a long, 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 long time. So those were two guys that I was excited to talk about and and see where where they stood on the Flyers end. And Carter Hart too. I'm interested to see because I believe he started off a little slow out of the gate. So I, I'm interested to see if he'll right the ship against the Penguins. But tell me more about Shane Goss' despair. Has he fallen out of favor with Flyers fans? He's just having a real rough go of things um, last season and into this season. And I don't think anyone's in really sure what's going on. The defense right now is, it's not, the the pairings I don't think have been optimized in my opinion. Um, Ghost keeps getting 
saddled with the worst defenseman. He was with Robert Haig until he got pulled out, and then he got stuck with Sam Moran, who has not played any hockey in a very long time, so obviously had a lot of rust to shake off. Um, But apart from not having an ideal partner, he's also just been playing terribly. Um, A lot of turnovers, a lot of bad passes that are easily intercepted by the other team. He finally scored a goal, which is good because we were used to him scoring a lot of goals, and he's got an absolute cannon uh, from the the blue line. But I don't know what's going on with him. Um, You might be excited watching him because he might be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That'll work out for your team very nicely. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there, and I'm also not sure if you're going to get Carter Hart. I don't know what's happening there either. He's, He's also in a bit of a rough a rough spot right now and it remains to be seen if the team is going to let him play through it which I think they ought to um or if they are going to keep playing Brian Elliott until he inevitably falls apart because that's what happens to him he's got an old broken body and he needs to be used in a limited way and if they keep playing him I don't know what's going to happen there either but yeah I mean the potential for Ghost to be good and exciting is definitely still there um He's just, I don't know what's up with him. It's very weird, but he's been, I mean, there's no way around it. He's been bad this season. Very bad. Sure. So it'll be interesting to see what he comes out with against the Penguins. It's, you know, maybe the Flyers still really, really hate this team and think of the rivalry as on as on fire as it has been over the last decade. And maybe they'll come out guns blazing, play some good hockey, but they had been playing good hockey, and then the Islanders game happened, and that was a whole mess. So we'll see which team we get. The good team or the garbage team. It's either one of those two and nothing in between, which is, like, very frustrating. But you know how that is. Sure, absolutely. I I, I am all there with you. I, I really do hope for this garbage team to come out, and I really do hope the Penguins <laughs> put eight past whoever is in net, whether it be Elliot or Hart. I think, yes, I, I, I am in agreement with you. I hope that happens. Okay, so in that vein, the last thing I'm going to ask you for is a prediction of how you think this game's going to end up. Give me a final score. Uh, let's see. Um, I, I think it's going to be closer than people will give it credit for just because mm-hmm. this is the first game that these two teams have played this season. Um, I, I think it'll be 3-2, 3-2 Pittsburgh, and they'll get an empty netter to win 4-2. Okay, that's interesting. Because I was literally going to say four two flyers with an empty netter at the end. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to stick with it, and we'll see which one of us is right. Spoiler alert, it will be neither of us. No one ever gets it right. No, <laughs> but, no not at all. <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's interesting that we both went there. I think it's either going to be one of the teams is going to be very good, and one of the teams will be not so good. And I don't know if it's going to be a super evenly matched game. Relatively evenly matched, but not, like you said, not a blowout. But I think one of these teams is going to just kind of have it for the whole game. And the other one's not going to be able to get there. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. That we will. It's going to be interesting because the Penguins are finally getting some of their reinforcements back, which is Mm -hmm. bad news to hear for the Flyers and several hundreds of thousands of Flyers fans. But... (laughs) But like I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a good game. I, I think it'll be close, and I think it'll be another fun chapter. Whatever happens in, yeah. in this Penns Flyers rivalry. Well, I did see that Malkin is skating and might come back Saturday, so at least we dodged that bullet. Yeah, you, you know, you, you got out of that scot free. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't have to see him now. 
Well, Connor okay. McDavid, on the other hand, you know, he, he might have to face off against against Evgeny Malkin if he's healthy. But that, that we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Garrett, for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Um, Absolutely. So we've got Flyers, Pens, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Blissfully, the best start time for a hockey game. Um, Garrett, thank you very much for joining me. Be sure to go to pensburg.com to check out the SB Nation Pittsburgh Penguins blog on the network and also check out the Pennsburg podcast, which is excellent. Um, yeah. So Garrett, thanks. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. Go Flyers.